Welcome back, everybody. This is Rad Talk with Tracy, the podcast, and I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. But today is Rad Coffee Talk, and I'm going to be talking with two of my very good friends and Rad Mums and Rad Changemakers, Chris Prangy Morgan and Heather House. Each month we're going to get together and we're just going to choose a topic, something that we all experience as Rad Parents and have a casual conversation about it. So come and join us. We're glad you're here and come be part of the conversation. I, I was looking really quick, Chris, keep your train of thought. I was thinking about um, why a parent of a child with reactive attachment disorder is one of the loneliest kinds of caregiver. It was a, it was a blog post back in November on the, but, but that came to mind again this week twice. Like I shared a part of my story and the mom who doesn't know us, her eyes are like this. And I'm like, shared too much. She'll never let her kid come over. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Chris, go on. Oh, so we'll yeah. come back. I mean, um, well, yeah, because last week we talked about a little bit about, you know, would you do it again? And, you know, like, I think we said that there, some days we would, some days we wouldn't. And, um, and we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, when our kids have healed and there are some days that I'll think, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe my kid is doing this because like he laid in a crib for two years and almost died. And now he's like dropping into the skate, the, the bowl at the skate park and he's proud of himself and he's actually not failing all his classes. And like, you know, we had a therapist call our son, a miracle kid, you know? So you think about all those things. But then you also think about the constant like death by a thousand cuts and nonsense chatter all day long and the complex PTSD that we live with on a daily basis. You know what I mean? So it's not a, it's not a simple answer. It really isn't. It It isn't a simple answer. No. Death by a thousand cuts. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Well, I was listening to our last, talking about the last or the first coffee talk or whatever. I was listening to it and I was cracking up because this is so rad, but Heather sounds like she's whispering the whole time. Like there's <laughs> people listening. <laughs> it was so great listening to it because it was like this top secret. <laughs> <laughs> I probably had my headphones on and I can't tell how loud it is. <laughs> that's good. But I thought that says it all, right? Like everything is hushed. Yeah. And I was probably up here and yeah, it's up in the, you know, upstairs and don't want anybody to hear what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was at a birthday party this weekend and um, so, you know, people know our oldest daughters has not been at home for years, but we still have our, um, son. And so we were talking before we started about the, you know, he was diagnosed with rad or was he, was it just the complex trauma? Like you were talking about Heather and so attached, but you still have all the rad ish behaviors. And, um, sometimes I get, sometimes things are calm which is, you know, not usually in a rad household. So that's right. where he also doesn't really have the rad because we wouldn't have calm, but um, there's little reminders and it caught me off guard, but we were at a birthday party this weekend and our son was just in that controlling behavior and he'll spiral. And um, so I got into a little bit of mom protective, but also wanting to train him out of that in that moment. 
And so he was in everybody's business and trying to take over all the toys and tell everybody, you know, this is what you need to do. I'm going to do this. It was the kid's birthday. It was his present and our son's all over it because he wanted it and he wanted to take charge. And so um, I gave him, you know, I just kind of whispered, hey, you know, and went over and, and told him. And then he did something that required a little bit more of a panic, like, hey, and I said his name. And I didn't even notice it because for us, it's common parenting, (laughs) but I looked over and I saw one of the dads at the party and he was watching me. But as soon as I looked at him, his eyes just went big and he looked away right away. And it was that like, Ooh, lady, angry mom, you're too strict. (laughs) Like, yeah. Angry mom, like, Ooh, you know, and I, and, and it was, you know, he didn't mean any harm, but it was judgment. And, uh, you know, and you're at a party that people don't know you, how do you, you can't explain it. So I felt that, that hit to your chest or your gut of shame. And you're all alone in that, in that moment. It's not like I can go talk to another rad mom at the party. There wasn't one. And my husband was somewhere else. So I told him later, but it made me forget or realize I've forgotten how many of those moments happen in our days. Um, and you just take it, take it, take it. And it's been a while. So it caught me off guard and it did not feel good. Well, the typical (laughs) parenting, I mean, neurotypical parenting, like it's gone, it's swung so far to the direction where like I grew up and like the kids next door were probably like the dad was probably, you know, beating them, you know, like they got spankings all the time. And, you know, like it was probably over the top and that was normal in the seventies, right? Like everyone got spanking. So then it swung to the other way to the other side where we're asking our children, what do you want for dinner, Susie? I can make something special for everyone in the family, you know, and, um, and the children get to make the decisions and kids aren't equipped to make decisions. So they need structure. And if you're the kind of parent that provides the structure now, people look at you like, wait a second, that's not how it's supposed to be when there's gotta be a middle ground. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Right. Especially for these kids who structure binds their anxiety, you know, it keeps them feeling safe, right? Safe. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I almost find that I let my daughter go places like I meet their the parents, of course, but like, oh, a birthday party. Do I have to stay? Not because I don't want to, but because she will be so much better if I'm not there. Mm. Like it's her other disorder it's the way it behaves it it panics and so it mimics whatever's going it wants to blend in so because it doesn't want to stand out it wants to blend in it does what the other kids are doing and everything she's just this wonderful thing and I'm like oh good you know like again you're having this when you're at home behaviors versus what you see out in public and I think I was that mom that was at the parties with our kids you know not like the hovering mom but my kids friends, parents were my friends. Oh, yeah. So you went there and you did, yeah. you know, and now it's like, yeah, I don't think so. I get no. it. It's a lonely place. It really is. Yeah. It really is. You know, and, and that kind of comes right up to the loneliness of parenting. Like I just started to realize I don't really, I'm going to say this and I do have friends, so please don't. <laughs> not saying I don't have friends. We were a family that had people over, like we love to have people over and, and 
that gives you so many options when you're parenting children to teach them not to interrupt or how to interrupt properly or, you know, wait their turn. Like when they want to talk to an adult and I'm not getting that experience with my daughter because I don't have anybody coming over. And so then when it's happening, I don't want them to say, go ahead and talk to her. I'm like, no, she needs to touch my leg and ask for permission and whatever the behavior, you know, whatever the response is. But I also thought, I kind of feel like, remember, you have to be old enough to have played with paper dolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, or the magnetic ones. And so it was like the, my, I feel like the background, like I should look like that magnetic paper doll, but it comes, it, it's different. You know what I mean? Like it's the live, it's the thing. And I'm just, I don't know. I feel like I fit in, but I don't fit in. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's like, and then it's kind of like, if you start to you can have a superficial relationship with a lot of people and they can come in and out of our lives and they can be, they can learn about John and I and, and the kids that, you know, Liberty that's at home or the older kids. And, and it's all surface, you know, I have four children ages, you know, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But the minute you get a little deep, yeah, I just watched, like I was saying earlier, this mom, I shared a story and <laughs> It was one of those, like, the entire time I'm watching her face, her eyes are getting bigger. But it was like a train wreck that had already started. There was no stopping. I could not stop it because anywhere I stopped would have just, like, ended it. And I was like, it's not a big deal, you know. And I think, oh, my gosh, she's just looking at it. And and then it was bringing up all these, well, could she have been sexually abused? And I was like, no, 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 it's not (laughs) Like, oh goodness! Like, you opened the, oh. the box, <laughs> and I've been so good. And I just thought, oh, I'll just share. And it was like, no, no, no. These people don't understand the level of right. you are. You are violated in so many different capacities on so many different senses that you don't realize that is bizarre behavior. I, I like how you right. said that. Uh, in all these different senses, because you're right, you're bombarded with noises and sounds and memories and and memories about memories. And like, like for us, it was for us, it was food hoarding. I mean, food is still a trigger. We, we went to um, the Olive Garden the other day, and something as simple as ordering dinner, like it's been years and years, but like, if you don't put the, like a stop on the sodas that he orders, he would drink sodas, like, you know, one, one after the other. And like, it's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal, but it triggers something in me every time. Like food for me is a trigger. It never used to be, but I'm just like, Oh, you know, um, yeah. Noises. Um, yeah. Um, smacking. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Or I will say, my son wasn't violent. He he only, he only tried to drown me in a swimming pool. Say that to somebody like, that's a big deal. No, it's not. Like, in this realm of yeah, rap, no, no, yeah. nothing. Yeah, no. And I you're was- right about like I liked too what you said. I agree with Chris. I love that senses like because it it doesn't just come at you. It comes at you. Yeah, always. But that lack of knowing normal anymore. I mean, I used to, and I still don't know if I have it because some things were happening with our son and I have no, um, no ability to sense 
normal. And, <laughs> and I often feel like I'm overreacting, but we deal with such big things. Yeah. I had to call friend, a friend. She was always my checkpoint <laughs> and uh, before I acted on anything. And every time, every time I presented her with the problem, I could hear her jaw dropping over the <laughs> on the other end of the phone, you know, like, are you an idiot? Of course, this is not normal, you know, and <laughs> oh my gosh, and no, but I didn't know. I thought I would, might be overreacting and I can't think of an example right now. I'll try to think of one, but, and the same thing's been happening with our son. And, you know, I don't, I ask my husband, but I don't think he even knows. And so I don't want to be that overprotective parent, but then you don't also want to be the one like you that is saying, I mean, I don't want to be like you, but I just mean like, we're so distorted that, um, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're so <laughs> like, oh, big deal. He tried to drown yeah. me. That's Great. But you don't even understand the the level of violation. Like Mm. one rad mom friend that I was talking to was talking about one of her children took her undergarments. And the first time that was so freakish Mm -hmm. and freaking and so violating. And like the fourth time it's like, oh, that's where, that's where that went. And it's like in some random place, it's like, yeah, I'm just, eh, whatever, you know, because there's bigger things. The sad thing to that is that the underwear thing becomes, because imagine what's worse than that. And sadly we deal with worse than that. Right. Right. Yeah. She was, that was not a, you know, she's like that. It was a big deal, you know, 10 years ago when it happened, but now it's just like, and I think about things that were almost desensitized. That's what it is. Yep. things yeah like how we should be offended by that or freaked right. out by that you know and that's what, like that's why I'm like you're attacked on all these senses that you have no clue right, right. well because we have to be our kids um alter e- or their ego like we have to impart upon them what's right and wrong in a way that isn't natural for them so like those types yeah. of things, you know, those, those morals and those kinds of values, or even with my kid, um, interpersonal reactions don't come normal. Like the give and right. take of relationships isn't normal. So like, even when we're out with people and I see him interacting in ways that just aren't right, like it, it feels violating in a way, I mean, not in a, like a like a real violent way, but violating to like me as a person, because I've always been so aware of other people's feelings and tuned in and all this kind of stuff. Even when we did our home study for our adoption, I said, you know, I wouldn't do well with a kid with autism because like, I'm such a people person and I would not do well with someone who doesn't get it. And our kid is like, you know, he's got the PDD NOS diagnosis, but I really think it's because of the, the attachment challenges from like the beginnings, like there's something not connecting. And, and every day to go through this awareness that like, he doesn't get human interaction all day. So that social awkwardness all day, every day, even when like we walk in the door and that like, Hey, how are you mom? Like we had to teach that. And, you know, it's not hard to not take it personally. I mean, like, I don't take it personally because I know it's not like he does, that he doesn't care. 
but he doesn't care because he's that rad, you know? (laughs) So every day it's not, you look at all these other families and you know that these are give and take relationships that are very deep and interconnected and you see this all around you. And then you, you live in this home with your child that isn't able to, it's like they're handicapped in that way. It's hard. It's so hard. And you know what it's making me think of? And I don't know, maybe we talked about this last time about, there's always those conversations and families, um, like, you know, Heather, you've had biological kids and not that rad can't be biological families, but in your case, it wasn't. So you have that frame of reference of raising kids that quote neurotypical. Well, yeah, neurotypical, right? And so what that feels like, and it doesn't feel like rad, and it's not as hard or, you know, not that parenting's easy and it's not hard, but you know what I mean? Rad is next level. And then you've got the, so you've got, you've raised kids with reactive attachment disorder too, but there's some balance and you can, you get to experience both. And I was, I've been thinking about that all week. And Chris and I, well, you kind of do, but I don't know if I, I will never, I had to come to terms with the fact that I will never know normal. I will never know normal. I will never have normal, which it's is hard. It's a double-edged sword because for you, I'm like, look, then you don't have a clue. Like you, right. not that you don't know clue, what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing because yeah. then when you do know what you're missing, it feels like it's breaking your heart oh. more, you know, and it's not to say that with my neurotypical children they didn't do bonehead things all of us did sure but i remember we did (laughs) i remember my heart breaking for something one of my older kids was doing not because of what he was doing but because i knew it was breaking what whatever he did then his heart was broken that he had broken that he had like um disappointed us right i remember disappointing the feeling of disappointing a parent And then I heard, I mean, not her, but I saw, or I saw this and I knew like it's breaking his heart. And it was really tough because God bless Landon, because he's got these ginormous blue eyes and he's the sweetest kid. And I'll be darned if he didn't make me want to literally just rip my hair out because I did not understand boy, even though I had a boy before my oldest was great for a short period of, not a short period, but almost two years of his life, I, my husband worked a lot. So I was the primary caregiver. So we say he's half chick, like he gets intuitive <laughs> and you know, all these things in right. London, all dude, all the time. And yeah. Logan, he's very much a dude too. Don't get me wrong. There's, I'm not outing anyone or anything like that. I'm just saying like it, those, you know, now Landon, I see all this, you know, he's very perceptive to people's feelings now and things like that. But I remember he's little and I just remember yelling at him, you know, like, you can't do this in school or whatever. And a friend of mine said, Heather, he hears you. He hears you. He just doesn't want to let you know that he knows that bothered you or, you know, something like that. And so then I saw that part of him and I remember everyone laughed. I mean, my other, the boys both go, well, Landon's your favorite, but John will say Logan was your favorite. I don't have favorites. You like them each for different reasons. I mean, different, not different reasons, but different things about them you connect with. But it was so hard, so, so hard to make Landon suffer consequences because I knew like he didn't mean to forget his backpack every stinking day of the year for school. 
he just didn't mean to. And the day I had to finally say, sorry. And he's like, I'm going to get in trouble. It's going, I'm like, and you're going to be crying if you don't get out of this car and you're going to be late and it's going to be worse. And I drove around the, drove around the block and bawled my eyes out. I had to just park and cry because it broke my heart, but he's never forgot his backpack. Yeah. Again. Yeah. You learn. <laughs> those tough things. So I think what's hard for me is knowing that the disorder lets you down and doesn't yeah, care exactly that is like dude seriously and i think it depending on the level depending on where the the child is with with rad and where what dis, where their disorder is you know falling on the spectrum there can be that like either never care about how i feel or care about but it can't be like every six months oh sorry i let you down and then i'm like okay we can work on this and then you know i yeah. feel like it's this roller coaster of it is a roller coaster and we tank gosh. and we're working and we tank and yeah. but it's part of parenting yeah but you know? it, it takes so much mental energy to even think through these things that you're talking about because even though we know it's the disorder we are i i can speak for myself i am constantly questioning like <laughs> is like we said before, is this typical or is this rad? Is this, and, and I've more and more come up upon the realization that, you know, rad leads the, the way that he, he operates in the world. It's not secondary. It is the way with which he presents himself in the world in every way. And it's always survival, including with relationships, including with um, like food, including, you know, walking to school. I mean, it's walking into a room, scanning the environment, looking to see if there's a threat at all times. I mean, my, my kid has, you know, um, uh, has been diagnosed with ADHD, but we know that it's not ADHD. It's just that chronic hypervigilance. And then, you know, we'll have parent teacher conferences and they'll talk about like the kinds of things he does in school and they all, you know, again, they think it's ADHD. Can you just increase the meds? And you just get so tired of, because their frame of ref, the frame Ugh. of reference is neurotypical and you just yeah. did this, that, or the other thing. And they don't get that. I think we talked about this last week, Heather, you said that you tell your, your friend or people that he has a traumatic brain injury. I mean, I, I love that because that's kind of the way I've had to look at it. I, it was really helpful to hear that. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Because yeah. these are things that, that they just, they just don't get. I mean, you can't expect that they will. And I feel like when they have that social awkwardness, like when you, if, if a child on the autism spectrum has social awkwardness, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, I'm not, I'm not saying that's better than something else. I'm just saying it's, it's a known thing. So you could say, yeah. So like Liberty's disorder, I would imagine in the next 20 years will probably fall on the spectrum, but it isn't right now. But she's like one point away from being diagnosed on the spectrum. So when she does those weird things, I'm like, she's on the spectrum. And I just say it because people go, oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. Not because right. what are you going to say? I'm sorry, she has complex trauma and this other disorder. And this is why she does this, this, right. and this. And I know you think it's charming that she's talking to you and da 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 and your husband and she's, you know, witty. And I mean, she really is. She's witty and sarcastic. I don't know where she gets it. Wow. But How old is she? She'll be okay. eight next month. And she, I mean, she can command a room. Yeah. Of course she can. 
because then she's in control. Exactly. And is controlling of her environment because Rad affected her so young in life. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to control this so I know what's coming at me. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, she's commanding and she's so this. You're right. And if it was a neurotypical kid, it would be, wow, what a, and it is a great personality, but like, what a great treat. What a great, you know, trait. Yeah. It's, it's true. It is a great trait for her, but I know what's going on in her yeah. head. You nailed it. It's that balance of, yes, yeah, some of this is normal, but the other part isn't. And that's the other part that people don't see that we're always trying to manage. Um, and I even used to think that like when our son came, oh my gosh, so bossy, but he, it was funny. Right. And you thought, oh, here's this little independent man, you know, and he's talking to everybody in the store, you know, he was in the cart, see somebody with a hat. Hey, cowboy. And everybody knows him. He will know. But then it leads to things like he's disruptive in his classroom because he has to know he is listening to everybody's yes. conversation at every desk and every yep. table. And he can tell you what's going on. And then he has to direct play and he has to, you know, help the teacher. He's bossing people around saying, Hey, don't do that. I saw one of his emails the other day and he was telling a kid, you're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, so some of it's funny and yes, the positive is, is that, Oh, it's leadership. And but it's that other part that isn't healthy and it's the hypervigilance and it's control. Cause if I can control everything, then everything's okay. And yeah. if I can't, and what would happen is if he was in the playground on the playground, meltdown tantrums, it doesn't happen. The tantrums and stuff don't happen now. It's still unnerving and unsettling and it comes out in different ways. But I mean, that's what led all his tantrums and freakouts and meltdowns. Um, because it was that loss of control. I'm not safe. Yeah. yeah. My world is. Yeah. Apart. Our son used to be the little, um, my mother-in-law used to call him the little Marshall or, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> when he was like in third grade, but he used to do the same exact right. kinds of things. Um, he'd be the last one to get his like snow pants, boots and mittens and everything on to go out to recess, because if he dragged his heels, then the whole class would have to be, you know, left behind. Um, yeah, all that. It was more like passive aggressive there. Um, but yeah. then when he would do something silly and funny and be the class clown. Yeah. And then, yeah, everybody else thinks it's cute. And then I'm just rolling my eyes. Like if you had any idea, but it's kind of the same thing, like my son, and you'd appreciate this Tracy, because you're a speech and language pathologist, but my son with his <laughs> speech and language issues, like even that, like if you ask him what, to repeat himself like like several times it's like hey he gets to like reel you in because you keep asking him right so I learned like probably 10 years ago I'm not going to even ask him to repeat I mean when he was really working on his his sounds yeah I mean I I really worked on it but like now even in, in his IEP it says that um they're not going to be working on speech sounds anymore because he has no interest in or no motivation at all so they're just going to work on right. social skills, which makes sense. That's yeah. Good. But like, you know, when he's with friends and stuff, um, I'm like, I wouldn't, like I'll say, I wouldn't ask him to repeat. He, he needs to make himself understood the first time or, you know, maybe twice. I'll, I'll give it twice. He has a cleft lip and palate. I mean, he's got some mechanical difficulties, but, but really my daughter had a worse cleft. My daughter had a bilateral and she wanted to be understood. And she wants relationships. 
she doesn't want to have people like to suck people in. So they're like sitting in the palm of her hand. That's what, that's what he, right. he craves. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, Negative attention. Hey, yeah, it's attention. Yeah, right. I mean, and again, I mean, I'm not, it's yeah. not blaming. It's just one of the, another, one of the, you know, hundreds of manifestations of the way that he right. needs attention and wants to yeah. you know, mm-hmm. make people attached to him in that sort of way, like in a negative way. And it's not blaming, but it's, it's hard to parent yeah. and it's exhausting and it's aggravating and it's frustrating. It's annoying. Yep. Um, right. It doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. And right. <laughs> like what's uh. I know what it is, but like the chatter, the incessant. Yeah. And it's not so you mean like just talking all the time or just noise. And my oldest said, and my brain is always going to Logan and I's brains are always running. I mean, I, I don't know if you girls do this, but like, if I have a moment where say I need to drive somewhere for extended period of time, I'm going to be alone. I can solve the world's problems. Just think like, I, I love yeah. that time to just think and, and dissect what's going on. And can I, what can I do to, you know? And so Landon tonight was getting ready to go. I said, it's a beautiful day to ride your motorcycle. It's like almost 80 degrees. And he's like, I know I'm on my way. And I was going to share something with him that had happened the night, a couple nights ago. So I said, when you're just riding, you know, cause I'm envisioning like you're out on your motorcycle and you're just looking at the beautiful scenery and you just can think and really get to know yourself. And I said, so when you're riding around, just, you know, are you, do you just think, do you just think about stuff? He goes, Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) What? And I remember saying to John, what are you thinking about? And he's like, nothing. And I'm like, how do you think about nothing? How do you think about nothing? Yeah. And so when Landon said that today, I was like, all right. And he's like, why? And I go, well, I was, when I'm by myself, I like to like, just work through things and really think about things. He's like, "Mm -mm, not me. Put on that music and done. And Uh, I was like, zone out wow, I think how chill I could possibly be if I wasn't always on. But then I have a two children, my bookend children are always on. And so it will literally be, I am preparing dinner or serving here. I'm dishing out, dishing up plates. Can you stop? Can you just stop? Can there just be a moment where and, and John's like, well, just don't pay attention. And I'm like, but it'll be the moment I don't pay attention. Something is said. Yeah, I know. Right. I can't. And you can't tune it. Up. It's overstimulation. It it's like having 40 TVs on in the room on different channels. Right. Yeah. And Landon and John both can listen to the radio and watch TV at the same, you know, have those both on in the house. And I'm all like, I know. no, uh-huh. no, I can't. Do I can't either. I, Overstim. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> well, no. It's, it's that I PTSD. Like, I mean, I, it, it really trips into that chronic hypervigilance that we've lived with. I mean, I never was like that before. Never. I mean, it's just really been since I read, like, honestly, I don't know. I I think it's, it's like wired my brain, you know, like, I think, you know, the word you're getting on my, or you're the phrase you're getting on my nerves, like the nerves, (laughs) I feel like the nerves get yeah, you're getting on my last nerve. Yeah. One nerve. It's yeah. right. Yeah. 
I wonder too, I was a very observant younger person. Yeah, me uh-huh. too. I could walk in a room, pick out things, you know, notice things, whatever. I go, I feel like I am blind. I don't pay. I, and is that just like a residual of the hypervigilance that we lived with coming out us? Like the rad, the disorders, hypervigilance, being so zoned. Like I have to like, not, maybe it's the overstimulation by saying, you know, I'll miss things. I'm like, how did I miss the fact that that was right? Not just the, I'm looking for my glasses and they're on my head, right? Not that kind of thing. Like, just I sometimes will be in a room meeting people and I couldn't tell you what their face looked like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like it's brain yeah. overload. Like and you're protecting yourself. You're just done. There's no more room or energy yeah. or ability. It's maxed out. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like a protective mechanism, just like no room for it. Yeah. Yeah. Shut down. Like like the um the teacher on the peanuts or (laughs) someone's talking at you and you're like your lips are moving but I'm not computing (laughs) yeah I know I do I do feel that a lot like it's it's overload and like please just don't put anything else on my plate right now like yeah when the kids were small it was and I think there's different sorry I was just gonna say when my kids were smaller it was worse because now they're yeah. gone more often because they're teenagers and so they don't have to right. be around all the time. So I, I buffer, I like I, I build quiet time into my schedule on purpose. I need it. You know, yeah. you can do that. I'm just glad that they're at this age, but anyway, what were you going to say, Tracy? Well, I was going to add that you're saying exactly what I was going to say is I think when they're younger, when it's at its max and you're living in that like I felt like an exposed nerve or all my wires were out, you know? And so touch it and zap, 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 zap. It was so easy to react or get triggered. Um, when it was all the time, you can't, you can't function. And then, you know, um, there's times, yeah, like now where either kids are older or out of the house and things are a little calmer. Um, it's more of like what you're describing, Heather is just, I'm still kind of numbed and zoned out, but I, and I do still get triggered, but it takes so much. It's not like I'm just that big exposed nerve that one little touch and zap. Right. right. But, um, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes us that kind of led me in this thought of how often I'll be talking with a rad mom and I'll say, or she'll, or they'll say, you know, like, this isn't the parent I used to be, you know, I wasn't like this before. This isn't the way I used to be. And I said, I will just say like, I understand that. And that person's never kind of come back. I mean, a version of that person can the innocence that you had and the, the, if you weren't tainted, you weren't stained. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it can be your favorite <laughs> shirt that still has a stain on it. It's still your favorite shirt, but you just can't wear uh-huh. it out public or whatever. You know? And I feel like I'm. You can't go back. You can't go back. And and I really two years ago I just decided I'm fifty. I'm gonna do what I want to do. Are you fifty, or you just decided you're gonna be fifty? <laughs> no, I'll be fifty-two this year. Okay. <laughs> When I turned 50, I just said, I was just like, I'm 50. I can do what I want. Yeah, you can. I can do what I want. I can make myself happy. And yeah. not that I relied on someone else for my happiness. I don't mean that, but like making sure that, you know, 
your children are taken care of, your marriage is taken care of, your friendships are taken care of, you being a child, you know, your parent, your relationship with your parents is taken care of. And it was like, whoa, my little inner child was like lost. Yeah. I still don't do a lot of stuff for myself. Yeah. In other people's eyes, but my love language is like doing for others. Yeah. And so it often fills me up, but I can also catch myself if it's not reciprocated. And I'll get so tapped out and Amy will go, it's because you're not filled up and you're giving and giving and giving. Yeah. And I was like, but that's what I like to do. And she's like, but there's nothing left to give. <laughs> yeah, you can't give it all. Oh, okay. So I've got to, you know, refill. But I, I think I hate the word self-care. Yeah, yeah I do too. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. like, I know, I know, like take good self-care. And I'm like, I'm eating, I'm eating ice cream is my self-care this week. Yeah. I just eat it for breakfast. That's my yeah. self-care. Of course, that's not a good habit. (laughs) When you were saying you'd take care of yourself, my mind went straight to the gutter. And I'm not going to say what we talked about at the end of the last (laughs) session, but that's exactly where my mind went. I was like, did you order? (laughs) Oh, yes. That's our our after hours. The late night coffee talk. Uh, but I, 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 that's the one thing like for me, because I had, you know, I had that an accident like 10 years ago that I didn't have a choice. Like I, if if my accident hadn't happened and I didn't end up with like residual issues, like chronic back pain being one of them. And like, if I don't work out, it'll affect me physically. So like, I have to get to the gym and it kind of sucks because I, I can't work. I, I can't put in as many hours in a job that I get paid for because I have to count workouts kind of like my job. So my body is well oiled. Um, and you know, and I wouldn't even call it self-care. I just call it like my other, my job. Preservation. Right. Self-preservation. Yes. Maintenance. maintenance. Exactly. Like, like a vehicle, like you, you need to take <laughs> yourself into the shop, right? <laughs> I actually Are you getting at six thousand RPMs, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm actually getting a tune-up next week. I'm getting a new leg. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness! What do you do with the old? Oh, leg? I still have them. Like I use, I I use I it, it for like. Get out for Halloween. <laughs> There's a lot of fun things you can do. Make a lamp, you know. Make a a vase. You should bring one of your legs. There's a church here that's really known for miracles. It's an old, old church in a little town, an adobe church, and this dirt that replenishes itself. Um, but there's people bring like their there's crutches all over the wall and just pictures of people who've been healed. And um, so when you come out, you should bring a leg. And- <laughs> nail it to the I could. Wall. I've got some like leftover feet too, like prosthetic bookshelves. <laughs> I could bury one like sticking out of the dirt. You know? <laughs> I'm having I'm having visions of breaking bad right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um and for listeners who don't know, Chris is an amputee. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Which I'm sure you figured out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and th- yeah, that all factored in. Well, I won't get into that. But anyway, but so yeah, for me, I had to learn it's it's not self-care. It's, it's maintenance. Yeah. It's like oxygen right. for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to tell, you know, the family, like, look, I'm like my daughter, I had to pick her up from school today to take her to the dentist. And I'm like, you know, find something to do for half an hour. Cause I'm going to be getting in the pool. 
And I, you know, I yeah. can only get in there at two o'clock because otherwise all the lanes are full and I will get there. Right. You're going to just have to wait. Like the previous version of me before my accident would have been like, okay, what time do you need me there? I'll, I'll meet your need. You know, now it's yeah. like, no, I need to meet right. my need first because if I don't do that, right. then I'm not going to be there for you. You know, right. it's not right. optional right. anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. I, but yeah. I think we all kind of have yeah. learned that to some degree, um, just through experience, like with, our, with these kids, um, maybe some more than others. Like, I mean, for me, um, I remember going into the bathroom when my kids were young, just to like have a break and like telling them that mom needs time right now and feeling guilty about it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? <clears throat> all these yeah. years later, I think we were talking last week. I think Heather, you were like, oh, are you dead? okay, you're not dead. You're fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, those standards, right? right. <laughs> I know, you know, and it does, I think my guilt came from not even knowing we had children with reactive attachment disorder. I just thought I was this parent who couldn't handle it. You know, I didn't see other parents hiding in their bedrooms <laughs> and hiding from their kid yeah. coming home and going straight up there. I would literally take off for a weekend or an overnight. Um, and it sounds really great. Pardon. I don't even know how you got that to happen. Well, I made it happen because I was, I, it was like escape. I didn't know what was happening, but I, I <laughs> had to leave and I felt guilty, but luckily, cause my husband was able to be okay with it. I didn't, he was more, um, and I say this in the nice way, in case you're listening, <laughs> James, but um, kind of clueless, like he just, and, and clueless isn't a great word, but he just handled it. You know what I mean? Like just shut it off and not to say he wasn't going through stuff because he was, but I, I just knew if I didn't do this, I wasn't going to survive, but then I would get there and all I would do is sleep. I didn't do any of these lovely, like, Oh, grab yourself a bottle of wine, watch your favorite movie, eat popcorn. No, it was recovery. Like it was recovery. Yeah. yeah. To go back into the battle. And then I needed to recover again. But as I was there, the sleep helped. But I I just, my mind was always racing. Like, why are you doing this? I feel guilty that I left James and he doesn't get a weekend away. Why do I? And am I just so introverted that I was not meant to have kids? Like, this is a lot of stimulation. And why aren't other people doing this? And, but I knew I had to do it because I knew if I didn't, I, I wasn't going to make it. I remember saying to John, but you get to drive to work by yourself and listen to whatever you want to on the radio. <laughs> I was so envious right of that time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether it was with the first two or once we adopted, like no matter what, it was just one of those, like you never get, you just never get your own time. And uh, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but there's this big to do in my life this since the beginning of the year about me time. And I misphrased the me time. I was speaking about the time when everyone's asleep and it's quiet oh, in your house. Yeah. And you can't run the vacuum or anything. So it, it literally becomes all you can do is something you want to do. Right. And that time may come at midnight I to know. 3 a.m. Yeah. And don't judge me because that's the time I want to take that time. And, yeah. and it was, you know, turned into this, well, do you realize how much my husband is the most amazing creature ever? 
but like he'll make a comment like well do you realize how much me time you actually get like it used to be like well you're on you're on the phone talking to people oh yeah no it's kind of like your job you know like just or if i in the middle of working i'm painting my nails or something right and i'm like that's not that's not that's is that right. not quality me time. It's like is it me time or is it work time? Oh no, I didn't know I had to decipher between the two. It's called multitasking. Right. I was just gonna say, terrible. yeah. But it it just got down to this. Like I don't get on you for getting up at you know five o'clock to be to work at six thirty or seven. Right. I don't I don't dictate what you know. He he used to like. He, he likes to get up and get out of the house before the rest of the family gets up because otherwise he won't want to go to work he wants to hang out at home so get up get get out you know i'm not judging you for that i just don't like mornings or i'd get up and i'm right yeah (laughs) same here but i I just think that's where we we tend to just find these little that's like when i was saying we never can go back i feel like i am for a long time always like just grasping and struggling for a moment a moment that just wasn't chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for a while, my moments were just like I was saying recovery. So even in those wee hours of the morning, I was either coming down from my jittery PTSD to like a lower level of it, but never hitting normal. And then there's times now where I feel like it is quality. And I actually do have moments where I'm actually enjoying that time. Um, and I think, you know, the, the further you get in, the, the less I give a F, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like I've let go of that self-judgment, whatever, like you hit the, who the F cares yeah. anymore. Like judge me, don't right. judge me. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Like I'm 50. Like I know, you know, you know, what it really hit me was like, we were talking about sleep and, and my rad used to um, kick the wall when everyone else was trying to sleep make noise, you know, because our bedroom was, and, and yeah. now we're living in a, a two level house and his room is right above ours. I don't know what I thought when we moved in here. Like I must have had a total brain <laughs> fart <clears throat> and it's not as bad as when he was little, but um, there was one day, oh my gosh, I, I think he was like three and we were all trying to take a family nap because I don't remember what the circumstances were, but um, so he kept like pounding. Pound, yeah, right. And we were all tight. <laughs> It was like a Sunday <laughs> snowy afternoon. It was in the middle of February or something. And um, and so he's like thump, thump, thump. I went in there. I was like, you need to be quiet. Everyone's trying to sleep. You know, well, we know how well that goes over, right? Let's get, let's get louder <laughs> yeah, now. Right. So like I went like four different times. And I, I got like m- louder and I like I even yell at him. And then went back to bed and then couldn't fall asleep. <clears throat> so finally I was so pissed. I went back in there. I picked him up because he was big enough. He was small enough to pick up. I, I carried him down the stairs. I opened the sliding glass door. I, I like that went out onto this deck that had this freshly packed snow that fell off the roof roof. And I like plopped him into the snowbank. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I just plopped him right into the snowbank. I'm like, if you want to do that, this is what you're going to get. Right. And you know what? It worked. Wow. I, and then he, he wow. like was like, Good. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, people are going to call child protective services. It's just like probably the worst thing in the world, but I'm so tired of this kid falling around and he needs to like get shocked that he shouldn't be doing this. So I brought him back upstairs. I put him down and he, he went back to bed. 
And here's the thing behind that is you, before that happened, I guarantee you tried every positive parenting, every little thing that you normally would and nothing nothing worked. That's how, that's how everything is in this life, right? You do everything. I was going to say, yeah. One of our therapists said when that, like that path is being built of the wrong, like, and it's almost like that record that keeps skipping, like for us, once Liberty would get into her cycle, like she would want something and throw it at you and you would hand it back to her and she would throw it back at you. Like, but, but she's screaming, I want my blankie and I'm handing it to her. And it's not, it's so, she's so far gone, you know? And this therapist said she would do things to shock the brain, shock Uh the child so that it made that feeling when you're doing this, that is not a good behavior and you have this unpleasant feeling, it makes you not want to do that. Yeah. Right. She goes like one day she poured ketchup on one of the kids' heads. I'm like, all I could think is what a mess you have to get. Yeah. Not, not about the action itself. It's just, oh, that's messy. Yeah. But something, you know, and, and one of the podcasts, yeah. And one of the podcasts, when Leslie said the child in your classroom should know there's going to be, there's always going to be a consequence, but it's never going right. to be the same. Yeah. So they can't anticipate what's coming. Right. But, you know, and so it was like, I, but that's what you did, Chris. You just shocked him. Like, this is yeah. not okay. Yeah. You know, and you know what it makes me think of too, is I work with people with neurological, like acquired neurological stuff, strokes, brain injury, whatever. And I always talk about or give the analogy that it's like a landslide. So those neural pathways, you picture this super highway and all of a sudden there's a landslide or a mudslide. And so it takes so much driving over and over that to wear it back down where it gets, you get faster and faster and it's a clearer road. And what you're making me think of is that in our kids' cases, they need like a dynamite blast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a really good analogy. Mm-hmm. Something to like yeah. shock them. Well, and, and my, my daughter, I mean, she's not the rad kid, but she was, I remember I was visiting my folks one weekend and she was having a meltdown and my husband called me and it was summer and he, um, we had one of those like pools in the backyard. Um, he like, all, all he could think of to do was to like take her and like throw her into this pool. It was like, like a two footer or whatever, or maybe four foot, but yeah. he just threw her in the pool with her clothes on because she was just, you know, <laughs> and he was like, it worked. It, it worked one time. And then I think he tried it the second right. time and it didn't work that time. But you know, like, yeah, but you're right. Like they need something to like shock yeah. them out of that, whatever it is in their head. It's maybe it's trauma. I don't know. And because too, I think like, even sometimes those shocks don't work. Like that's how hard it is to rewire and retrain or create that safety and that trust. Right. Because what in, in typical children, most times, right. Once or twice, and they, they want to change, they change the behavior and it's done, but you know, we will go years and trying everything. And of course, all the good things, the positive parenting, but, and sometimes even those shocks, it doesn't work. And so for years, you're dealing with the same behavior that's not changing. It's resistant to change. Yeah. Yeah. And as I'm listening to us talking, I'm thinking if anybody listens to this, that doesn't have a child with rad, they're going to think, oh my gosh, that woman is horrible. Like, you know, (laughs) right. 
Well, I was thinking, you know, that's how they used to teach kids to swim in the 70s. Just throw you in the pool and figure know, this, it out. This wasn't so, deep water. You're just old school. <laughs> We're just old school. I used to have a squirt bottle. And, that like, works for cats, <laughs> right? Right. I know. Like that, that's, yeah. I mean, it's but whatever then, works. We always talk only, about You this. can only do it once or twice because then it becomes, you're in the middle of this meltdown and you get the bottle and it gets even worse (laughs) never mind this is not effective anymore and i think as rad parents if we could just understand that it's don't don't live the definition of insanity don't Uh continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result change it up all the time maybe keep them guessing i just don't have that many tools in my toolbox I think the guilt comes in or it came in for me because the things I had to resort to were atypical and they, they did feel like, you know, throwing the kid in the snow, locking them outside for a minute, doing whatever the ketchup over the head. Thank God that was a therapist, right? They can get away with it. But you know, we, I think you don't look around and see all the other families around you doing that. And it feels bad. Like, and that's where I think that guilt and feeling like a bad parent and what am I doing And, but it is because like, we're talking about, you deal with the same behavior year after year and you try all the things that doesn't work and you want, and you know, out of it comes that you want to help this kid and you need to help yourself and your family. So you really are doing whatever it takes. You're still coming from such a good place to like, we need to fix this. And, but it's like. Guantanamo Bay tactics. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's that bad, but it's kind of like it feels that bad. Anybody. <laughs> it feels that, yeah. But it feels that it bad. Like I felt like it feels like you're waterboarding. You're not, but that's no. how bad it well, feels from a parent perspective. I also think go ahead, go ahead, Chris. We, we had a therapist that that suggested this this book called The Dog Trainer's Guide to Parenting because he said <laughs> you can work with our with our child. Like because he said, seriously, I mean, it, it was written to parent kids like our kids, because they need the um the structure and they need like that um concrete yeah, that concrete you know, expectation and, um, and, and it, it really worked. I mean, this was a therapist telling us this. So like, you know, it's that, it's that our therapist would be like, well, you want to reward the behavior you want to see. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to reward what you're expected to do? Like, yeah, that's so tough. But if you think about a baby and then as they get older and they're gaining a little more independence, and then you've got this two-year-old three-year-old and you're fixing lunch and you're giving them water and they want juice and we have a meltdown or you know what you're getting water do you want your red cup or your blue cup like we do that at such a granular level as we're raising these children you know raising children Mm -hmm. babies i mean it's that natural like oh there's a natural progression as you're raising kids as they're growing i mean neurotypical children are growing and gaining more independence and they're leaving the nest and they're doing these, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're feeding into that and you're nurturing and you're receiving back. And Mm. when you have a child who cannot receive love, it's so maddening. And then you think like all these things we're trying to do, just put that into perspective that that is your husband acting like that. How many of us would be like, Tracy, Chris, I've got the, 
U-Haul, you are out of here. He is not responsible. This, this is, you know, this is not okay. And it's that whole, why is it, I mean, not to Why sound do we have to tolerate it? Right. And, and I don't want someone listening to come back at us like we're saying our children are like these horrible people which they're not but they have learned abusive behaviors as their only mode yeah right they're wired in abusive nature because they were abused or neglected or had some trauma that felt abusive right. so that's the way they re that's the way they operate yeah. right you but know? it doesn't make it okay no and it it's not okay for you or right. for them. Right? right. And so even though there's a reason behind it, it's still not yeah. okay. And it doesn't mean you have to yeah. take it. Right. And that's what we do is we find ways, right? Like, right. and there aren't always ways and that's a big frustration, but. And you don't have to take it. And I think, you know, so often I would say, maybe we aren't the final family. Yeah. Maybe we're just the stepping stone. Maybe I yeah. wasn't put in their lives for right. forever. You right. know, might have thought it. My perception of what I what we were doing could maybe not have been the ultimate yeah. plan. Right. You know? So and and knowing that you're not giving up, like there was a point, there was a time that John was like, I'm done. And I remember it's like, you have watched a rad behavior for two months. I've been doing this for nine and a half years. You're waving your red flag or white flag two months. Like man up is all I could think like, what are you talking about? But then all of a sudden given this, all right, find an attorney and we're going to, you know, whatever. We didn't know what it was called back then, but reverse data, whatever. And I was just like, oh, I didn't even know what rad was. We had no clue. Right. So it was still like, oh, I'm, I don't, I don't know that I'm ready for that, but I'll get you a number and you call, you know, and you get the questions answered or answers to your questions. And I just was like, have I done everything? I just felt like there's still something, you know, like it's not natural. And then I realized when we learned what rad was, we didn't have a therapist that knew anything about it, but bless this therapist's heart. She was like, we will just learn together. And she, thank goodness, gave that attempt, you know, obviously not something you can learn on the job. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know where my train of thought was going. I hate We're that. talking about making the phone call. You didn't know what oh, rad yeah, yeah. was. So, but I remember saying once I finally knew what rad was and once I knew what I, I came to my rock bottom, if you will, that said, this is where we're going to go for treatment. And I fought the, like the Dickens to get that treatment for him. Uh-huh. And if that didn't work, I'm out. Oh, like, yeah. this is where I draw my line in this yeah. segment. Uh-huh. Like, and I remember like, I was going to be gone 15 to 18 months and two or three months in and we're getting this call. He, he can come home. And I remember calling Amy like, oh my God. And I'm like, panicked. He's coming home. And because... I even tell him, tell Legend now, when I took him to, when we got on that plane and we took him and we got back, we got back on the plane to come home. I was, did not care if I saw him ever again in my life. I was done. Wow. Yeah. I just, and I think now looking back, I don't know if it was like, it wasn't out of anger. I'm done. It was just like the, like, this is my line in the sand. So things have to be different or we are done. And I equate that to me hitting that point too, where whatever it is for you, for me, I had to get to a point where I felt like I had tried and done everything. Uh And then I knew 
okay, there's nothing more I can do. And that's going to be different for everybody like your husband. And it makes me think like, good for him two months. That's the way it should be, right? Like, so we take on, and I know there's a lot behind it. It's, I get it. But just that point of everybody's limits. um, And it's okay if your limits aren't as long, right? And, And we often as moms, as parents, and, you know, whether you, you just, that's what we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um, and I always bring up the foster mom before us who she didn't, she was like, we're done. And I thought, Oh, Hey, you can do that. And judged her at first thinking, Oh my gosh, right. how could you do that? Right. And right. now I look back and admire her and I'm thinking you had some balls lady, like, and you had some boundaries. Yeah. Right. And maybe she didn't even know it was like, I look at I don't think she scenario did. and I don't think his original no. foster to adopt mom had a clue. No. It was just self-preservation. Yeah. Yes. Like, but almost I, I'm wondering like, yeah, just like she called it quick. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm, out of yeah. the scene. And right. And what's weird is that we as parents of children with disorders are judged so quickly. Yeah. However, I have a friend, I'm an only child, not by design, but all of my siblings passed as baby. So I am an only child. I have friends who have only one child because that's all they wanted. No one's looking at them going, why aren't you having more? Because that this woman knows that's what she can handle. Right. And why having kids? I was like, and in this society, and I love my children. I will not tell you, I'm not saying this from a point of like, I wish I wouldn't have had children. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying society needs to stop making women feel like they're lesser people if they don't have children. Oh, I know. Right. Well, well and, and give because people the resources to, to be a parent in the way that we need to be parents. Right. I mean, because we don't have the resources, like you're, you're just like no. thrown out there to the wolves, you know, especially rad parents. It's true. But- well, and I was reading something today about the eight or nine core feelings, uh, or that you experience with adoption and you know they were talking about how support and the right resources are so important and I see that all the time and it's written but where are they right so I just laugh sometimes and think oh that's really nice who wrote this like clueless well I remember reading it's actually a quote by Kathleen who was one of the founders of Rad Advocates and she said something about I can't quote her. I could look it up, but I can't quote exactly. But it was like, <clears throat> if we have support, we can do hard longer. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. If you if you have someone in you know on your side, and I know my friend, my neighbor across the street. When I was for when we were, I mean, my kids were little. We lived there for like ten years. She would just call. Do you need recess? Like when I was homeschooling. Do you need recess? Because she could hear me yelling. <laughs> <laughs> time for or, recess or she'd be like we're having a fire tonight you have been stressed out all week we're my fire pit we're having a fire you know and I would walk across the street my little slippers and my jammies and my little sweet tea or my coffee or my hot chocolate or whatever it was that night you know and just sit there and I know that so many people don't have that or like our husbands didn't understand like I need to throw we would just call it vomit we just need to get it everything yeah. that's inside yeah. out and it doesn't always look so 
bad once it's out but she never ever she she wasn't in any better position to help me than I was she didn't have she wasn't two steps ahead of me in the rad world she wasn't she had no clue she would tell me time and time again I do not see what you're talking about but I do not think you're crazy I am not telling you it doesn't happen I just don't get to see that so it was like continually reminding me that like literally she had, she understood I was not insane. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, that in itself is such a relief. I think that's why I did it for as long as I did it. And yeah. yeah. Well, even as, you know, as we talk with like, you know, parents that we have, we have these support groups with the thing that keeps coming up over and over again is like how much of a balm it is to know that we're not alone. I mean, I mean, really, yeah. like we can do hard, hard longer. Like when you hear the stories that other people have that sound so much like your own, when there's nobody mm-hmm. in your the the world outside of the rad world that is dealing with this. It's like, thank you. I want to give you like a cyber hug, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we started going to a new church and a friend of ours who goes there wanted me to meet another girl because her son was just diagnosed with rad. And the woman walks up to me and is like, introduces herself. Do I remember her face? No, because we just had this conversation. <laughs> I cannot. I couldn't remember her name. Anything later. So I'm asking my friend. And then that was like eight weeks ago. And I never saw her again. And I was picking up Liberty on Sunday. And someone said her name. And I went, that's her name. And she turned around. And I literally wanted to be like, please just be my friend. I'm telling you, it's going to be better. You're not going to feel all alone. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to be. But I've got to let her get to the point where she you know but it's like just come here just get over here and be with me because this will make you feel better yeah because even bless their hearts the people you know like well we want her child to be able to participate in this and that and you know we have and and she i believe if if i'm hearing correctly it's pretty severe rad and very physically aggressive and that's really tough and they're the, the people that are in her life are doing such a great job but i also know in conversations they have no clue uh, right it's not that same same it's not that the same. bond or level of understanding no. and support yeah you know when in and you just mm. you little like i said one day it's like the devil in yeah. your home yeah you cannot fight the devil and this one of my friends goes Heather, Jesus can fight the devil. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you don't get it. Like, I don't mean this in a theological manner. Right. <laughs> I mean, it is a, a TV show that I started while I watched. And of course, it's called Evil Lives Here. <laughs> oh, and it's about, yeah, like people that you're related to or that you know. So the first story was 100% rad. And I was watching, I think I was texting Chris going, oh my God, you know, this is, but the sad thing of it, I won't even, if people want to watch it, they can watch it, but it's be super triggering. So I don't highly, I don't recommend it, but ended up being a school shooter and Mm. it was definitely rad among other things. Um, and, and, you know, things would flash across the screen, like, oh, she would say it and it would, they would show the words across when he only targeted me you know the mom and there were just all these I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god but um at the end what was so disheartening and this made me realize like still there's so much work to be done is 
she was still so distraught and beating herself up. Could I have done more? Maybe I shouldn't have, like there was an instance where um, it was her stepson and he would go into the daughter's room and steal money. So he was coming out of the room with a bag and out of his sister's room. So she confronted him and said, I need to see what's in the bag. You have a history of stealing. You can't steal from your sister. So they got in a little bit of a tussle. She was trying to grab the bag and um, she grabbed the handle and her arm swung up and her ring cut under his eye. So um, at the end, um, and so stuff ensued from that, which wasn't great. And again, if you watch it, you'll be like, rad, 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 rad. But at the end, they, she was, she didn't want to do the interview. And at the end, she was still talking about, well, maybe I shouldn't have confronted him. Maybe Uh I shouldn't have done this. If only I hadn't, she had no idea it was rad or whatever it was. Um, and she's still to this day tormented by it, um, and beating herself up as a, as a mom. It sounds like, you know, when I used to work in domestic abuse shelters or, you know, like places where women would come, it's very much mm-hmm. like a domestic violence situation. I mean, it's only your child. Yes. And that's the thing people need to understand. Like folks who don't get it. I mean, it's not always physical, you know, I mean, and no. when it is, it's hard, but it's, it's hard when it's like the, the insidious incessant chatter or the control games or, you know, all the other stuff that we've talked about, it's just all hard. Yeah. And then the aggression and violence and threats. I mean, that's another level of it, right? And and not even realizing, we're going to come back to shows like that. I want to come back to that. But I remember a therapist somewhere I was watching or reading or listening or whatever said, you need to have, you, it's, it's our, our right. I think we get to have physical, emotional, spiritual safety. Yeah. And I was like, I just physical, like, and I understood emotional abuse, like I, I, in, in domestic violence situations of spouses and old, you know, a grown up, if you will. But I thought the, that's the, that's when, even back at the beginning of this conversation, the level in which we are violated uh-huh. is so everything, your personal space is violated. Your brain waves are violated. Your mental capacity is violated. You physically could be violated, you know, emotionally, like the toll, it's just eroding yeah. you, yeah. And, you know, just, just all the time. And I just think, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to explain it sometimes. Yeah. To people. It's not that I don't want to meet neighbors and hang out with the neighbors. I don't know. Energy. That I, have the I know. Energy. Yeah. Even no. something as simple as a car ride. My husband and I think about, say, talk about this a lot. Um, I remember going on trips with my family as a kid and my parents would talk and I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. I would be, you know, looking out the window, talking, Did you yeah, reading, whatever. And I didn't care. Right. Our kids, when you're in the car, they are keyed into every word you say, even I mean, right. and I know some people might say, oh, all kids do that, but like they are so keyed into every nuance. And that's the difference. Yes. Some kids may do that, but not for the intent to control your life. Right. Not for the intent to control something. Everything. 
everything. I remember like we have this, you can't see it. Of course, we're on a podcast, but you girls can. We <laughs> used to have this joke, like pretending like you had a limo and you could put the window up. So like if dad and I were talking, I'd be like, <clears throat> like I can't <laughs> see yeah. conversation. This is not yeah. for you. Right. And the level of respect, like they would literally just find something yeah. to do, Yeah, you know? And, and we, like you said, as, as, I mean, I was an only child, but even as an only child, I was not, and this is where I really get really disturbed this day and age where I was spoiled, but not rotten. So I was granted, my parents didn't buy me everything that I wanted. They could have if they wanted to, but that would have made me entitled and rot, you know, more of that rotten. Like, yes, of course I was well taken care of, but even growing guest jeans were the big thing. Remember oh, yeah. Jordan? Yes. I had a Paisley pair. One Mom, pair. Um, you got one yeah. pair. Right. Mom would buy you one pair. And if you wanted more, you better save your allowance. Could she have bought, I was an only child. She could have bought me three or four pair. And that could have been just all my pants for the school year or whatever. But I got one pair. I wasn't going to get everything just because I could. And years ago, a friend of mine was only having one. And she asked me something about being an only child. And I said, I'll be honest with you. The thing that I think I could impart to you, the wisdom is your child does not need to get something in the grocery store line every time because you can afford it. That $1.29 candy bar. Sure. You want that? Sure. But no, because you need to learn. You don't get everything you want when you want exactly. it. And, it, and it's like, I listen, I listen now and, oh, well, you know, he just wanted this all right, like Liberty at almost eight, she'll go, I want, and if I've heard I want like all day, I'll look at her and she goes, I know, children in hell want ice water. (laughs) (laughs) That's what my mom used to say to me. Well, children in hell want ice water. I guess you're not getting it. And so I will say to my kids. I have not heard that. (laughs) Liberty will just look at me and go, I know, children in hell want ice water. And I'm like, well, then, you know, I'm not buying it for you. Right. And there also becomes no value in getting everything yeah. you want. Yeah. Every time, then nothing has value. So that was just this whole pendulum, you know, swinging yeah. away in parenting. Like I am not depriving my kid because she doesn't get a stinking candy bar in the grocery store line every single time we go through the grocery yeah. store line. No. Yeah. And, but you mentioned, I wanted to go back to the shows. People go, oh my gosh, this is a really good thriller. Nope, I lived it. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Dobie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why the trigger warning I was attached because, and I used to love watching those, but now I just spot all of the stuff. Yeah, and like, it's not always rad, you know, and not every adopted kid has rad. And, right. But I'm, well, yeah. I'm and, reading a book right now and these two were adopted and then mom and dad had a biological, it's just a, it's just a chick breed, you know, it's not right. a thick- I mean, it's, it's, it's just a book. It's not, it's not, it's none of it's real. And this kid, these, the older two are adopted and he's old now. And he's like, I just wanted to always keep my room clean and do all my chores and take care of it because I didn't want my parents to give me back. And they gave us my brother and I so much. And I'm thinking, what freaking planet were you adopted from? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> well, you know, and here's the thing you knew, you know, I was adopted, right? I did not. No. You did not. did not. No, and neither did Chris. <laughs> And you know what? I yes. We have support groups together. We do. Yeah. I, but that's the difference. Like, I didn't realize it till Chris was like, I had no idea. And I thought, what? And we're like, we've known each other this long. And, and then I, yeah, that's why I asked you, but that's, 
bizarre to, but that's the difference. Like, but look at the era you were raised in. Oh yeah. yeah. And it was, there was yeah. more of a village. And you know, right? and, well, and there was a, there was an expectation of how children behave. Yeah. Yeah. That part, you know, and, and what I can say is I definitely, and I won't get into my story, but I definitely know there were attachment issues and mostly with my mom, but she had also lost a child. So she had my sister, had another daughter. She died of leukemia at two and a half. Then my brother was born. And then for reasons they had to adopt after that. Um, And um, so I was adopted. So, you know, things you don't know when you're growing up but it was really hard to bond with my mom. Um, and, uh, I do remember having a lot of anxiety and I was three months old, so I can really relate to, you don't know what's happening, but stuff. Um, but it was just attachment. It wasn't reactive stuff and it wasn't, um, and now looking back, I'm sure part of that was how hard would it be for my mom to bond with me after losing a child and having it? I mean, there's just so much behind it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me. And I think um, my experience was not my kid's experience. And um, yeah, it's just interesting. It doesn't have to be reactive attachment disorder. Yeah. So I, I didn't even expect it. You know, I expected hard. I expected like a transition time and sure attachment, maybe like slow, but yeah. Yeah, I think what what you're right. sharing a little bit, Tracy, reminds me a little bit of my my daughter because I know you've shared that you know you have this tendency to want to be um, achievement oriented and you know very focused on you know maybe a little bit perfectionist or whatever, and that's exactly how my daughter is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <A> little, <laughs> yeah I mean, and and we'll have these these conversations about, um, I think Brene Brown has a recent meme that's out there. She says, I am a recovering perfectionist and yes. a aspiring good enoughist. Yes. I just posted that about Did myself. You? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Facebook. I love Isn't that. that. Good? Yeah. I said that it. to my daughter too. I saw that meme out there and I was like, Jade, this is, this is something you have to put up on your door of your bedroom because Good enough is fine. Good enough is fine. Uh-huh. That's what my therapist tells me. And I'm like, it's not <laughs> fine. <laughs> but it is fine. I've learned, you know what I've learned? And I won't get into this either, but cancer taught me to let go of perfectionism. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And then this, I mean, no, you've got no pride left. Um, none. Yeah. But yeah, but that you are, Chris, talk about good enough parenting. We should talk about that sometime because I love oh, yeah. that. What it, it's a yeah. good topic because it really would feed into understanding that I'm not going to get a college graduate yeah. out of my rad kid. Yeah. Like one of my kids, not all of my kids are going to go to college right. and, and that's okay with me. I didn't yeah. go to college. I'm good enough. I'm I'm going back to college. I was actually accepted, FYI. Congratulations. Here's the thing I have, though. How are you not accepted? I have no idea. What do you mean? This big thing when my oldest was, you know, applying to colleges and would it be accepted? And I'm thinking, 
what is your criteria for not accepting or accepting? Like, I guess high school kids, right. like, what's your flunk out rate going to be? So I guess yeah. you take me, but I'm like, I'm 52 and you're going to right. can't go to your college. It's a private little college. You're going to tell me, okay, whatever. But speaking of, you know, when we're talking about, we don't remember things. I'm like, how are you going to stop? <laughs> how are you going to this is going to have to be stuff I care about right now. I'm yeah. telling you, we're going to have to be like the STEM project here. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have to, you know, learn about beavers or something, whatever <laughs> it is. Like everything has to be all about whatever animal or whatever, you know, topic. Cause I don't think that I'll remember, but. Um, so are just, you going to school to become a beaverologist? I, I don't know what I'm going to be. Oh. They ask you, what do you want to do? Why are you doing this? Cause I want a degree. Yeah. Because I think I know what I want to be when I grow up. And so as I just, I like to yeah. learn. Yeah. Well, that's. But I can't put different. letters after my name so that, you know, like all of us rad parents should get letters after our name yeah. for our experiences and expertise on BS. Yeah. Too bad they can't yeah. give credit for yeah. life experience, you know? Yeah. Because there's, I know but, so many therapists that are out there that I graduated with that I would not go to. I don't care how many <laughs> letters they have after their name, but I know a lot about yeah. them. And I'm like, no, I want to go to somebody yeah. who I really trust because they've been through shit, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember, I remember a president. I don't know. I, I remember years ago and I was thinking, if you're going to leave my country, I think you need to have sample, like, like, drank alcohol or like broken a rule or you know whatever it is like yeah whatever you need to have done these things to know what it's like to live in america or to know what it's like like because now we've seen this whole legislation i mean these shifts and let's we have a problem so let's you know maybe it's this whole thing with families first now and like we have no group homes did you see how that was going to backfire for our fam, our kinds of families that the disorder thrives yeah. in that? But because we couldn't modify it and make them better, give them resources, give them help, whatever it was, and they became these yucky places, we just take them all away and don't give a crap how. And then there's happens. nothing to replace yep. it. Right. And it's like, we can't even get legis, we can't even begin to talk about legislation for rad families until there is a solution because every single time yeah. that comes up, we don't know where we right. can't There's really nowhere to go. To fix it. Book I mean, that we, mark, book, book that mark, <laughs> bookmark that <laughs> Yeah. as a topic. Yeah. Like how to fix it. That's I like mean, a whole other, and it's getting other. late. We're going to be yeah, like, yeah. people are going to be falling asleep driving. I think that's good enough. I want to do the good enough parenting. Yeah. The good enough parenting. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, that. Donald Winnicott yeah. is the guy that, uh, the psychiat- psychiatrist, I think, who coined that phrase. And yeah, it's like like the stuff we've been talking about. You know, don't beat yourself up. Good enough parenting is fine. Like, are you dead? No, I mean, not quite like that. But, um, you know, Great. it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. Thank you, Pinterest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Pinterest, Pinterest perfect. Pinterest yes. perfect. Yeah. I apologize. Uh, I've got this stuffy nose. I, I swear it's like allergies now that like things are thawing where I live. Uh, right. I don't know if it's mold or You're what. You're thawing. thawing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said thong. 
<laughs> no, it's not my song. <laughs> that one. When you stop the recording, we have to tell you something. <laughs> oh no. Is it another product we need to order? Heather? <laughs> I didn't come up with the first product. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, let's say, let's say good night or good day, whatever. Yes. And um, we'll see everybody yeah. be here next All right. time. This was fun. All right. This was <laughs> so fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website, at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.